all of those steps that I didn't think about, you know, you just see a trailer and you're like, oh, okay, it's black. It's this has all its stickers, has the wheels, has the axles. You're like, okay, cool. But then when you go through each step, you're like, what the heck did I get myself into? This is a big project on top of building a house. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 58 with Zena Fontanilla. Zena, her husband Shane, and 17-month-old son Maverick live in a 360-square-foot tiny house on Maui. This DIY family designed and built their dream home in a small package to beat the expensive housing market in Hawaii. Their story is really unique because to save money, they decided to fabricate their own gooseneck trailer, build their own freshwater catchment tank, and live completely off-grid. It's a really interesting story, and I hope you'll stick around for the interview. Before we get to that, I just want to let you know that the registration period for my private online tiny house community closes really soon. Tiny House Engage is a small, private group where I answer your tiny house questions every single day. If you're serious about planning and building a tiny house, you're going to have a lot of questions along the way, and you're going to need answers that are specific to your situation. That's why I created Tiny House Engage. There are lots of free Facebook groups online where you can ask your tiny house questions along with 30,000 other people. But in Tiny House Engage, you'll get individual attention from me and from other members in the group who are already building and living tiny. Tiny House Engage registration opens once every six weeks, and our current registration period is closing today. So if you'd like to join Tiny House Engage and start having your tiny house questions answered every day, visit thetinyhouse.net slash T-H-E. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash T-H-E. All right, I am here with Zena Fontanella. Zena, her husband Shane, and 17-month-old son Maverick live in a 360-square-foot tiny house. This DIY family designed and built their dream home in a small package to beat the expensive housing market in Hawaii. Zena, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I've been looking at pictures of your house and your your little homestead, I guess I could call it, and it looks amazing. So first of all, congratulations on on that accomplishment. Thank you. Thanks. And I wanted to just start off by asking, what is the housing market like in Hawaii and um, what led you to tiny houses as as a solution to finding housing? Okay. Um so my husband and I both grew up here. So I grew up knowing that housing here was expensive and just the lifestyle here was expensive. So it didn't really become my problem until I needed to find, you know, a house for just me and my husband and not with my friends or roommates or, you know, family friends. So if you're wanting to get a house, buy a house, the cheapest you could probably find is like between like 400,000 would be like a really great deal, but you better be ready to basically break the house completely down and build a new one because it's going to be trashed. So, wow. yeah. So if you want something that's nice, doesn't need work to be done, you're looking like closer at 750, 
and even to a million, which is like, who, who can afford that? You know, not normal families, just. Right. So it sounds like it's really a lot of maybe second income people or just wealthy people. Definitely. Yeah. I think the market is set up for like a second homeowner. I think because of tourism also, you know, we, we've always wanted to own a house. And once we got engaged, we started looking at the market, looking at renting, um, the, the kind of problem, but it's not a total problem, but it's when you, when you buy your house, your mortgage will actually be cheaper than renting a house, but you need to qualify for those huge loans to even be able to pay a cheaper mortgage rather than rent. So once we started getting into that, we just realized what are the other options? Is there any other alternative lifestyle we could live that doesn't include moving in with friends or family because we wanted our own thing, you know? So we just, I think my husband actually was the one that saw a documentary on Netflix really janky documentary DIY, but he was super inspired by it, shared it with me. And originally I was like, uh, I don't really want to do that. It seems like a lot of work. And then just a few months later, I was like, okay, we got to do it because that's like our only option to actually start this new adventure together without a huge amount of debt or a huge mortgage or just the financial pressure. We just jumped in and we we did it, but we also have a background in construction, residential construction. So that helped me, gave me peace of mind to jump in because we, we knew what we were doing or had the resources to find out how to do it. I mean, I was just kind of doing some napkin math, but you did your house for, for 45000 total? Yeah. Which is incredible. I encourage people to, to check out the house and pictures of it because it looks like it had to have cost way more than that. Um, but it just goes to show you when you do all your own labor, you can save a lot of money, but 45000 wouldn't even be enough for a down payment on, you know, a $700,000 house. Yeah. Yeah. Not even close. So, and I, I think right now the rules are shifting for tiny homes. Um, there hasn't been um, a real shift yet, but I think they're going to start making it easier for families to, you know, afford that kind of lifestyle and, you know, kind of use it as a a jumping point because it is really hard to kind of stay here. Lots of people, lots of my friends move off island because it's so expensive. Vermont is similar in some ways. It's kind of an expensive place to live. And so a lot of young people leave and go, go to cities to work, but they're actually, you know, there's a shortage of young, skilled workers here. Um, so similar problems. It's a beautiful place. There's a lot of tourism. Is Hawaii permissive of of tiny houses on wheels? Was there were there any big legal challenges to to doing what you did? Um, I think because it's new, we actually got approached by the head of the building department, but he really had no standing. I think he was just trying to scare us. Um, but it technically is legal. You have to get your trailer registered with the DMV, you know, do safety insurance, all of that. Um, 
but you don't need any permits. So the building department, you know, really has no jurisdiction over tiny homes at all because it's considered like a trailer house by the DMV. So um, along with some of the other rules, they want it to be on private property. Um, someone once told me that it needs to be on a lot that's 7,500 square feet with a permanent house. I don't know if that's still true. I didn't see any of that in the codes. Um, but we do have a crazy shortage of affordable housing. So they recently just changed the um, square foot, I guess, maximums to build other dwellings on lots. So I think they might start considering tiny homes to be some of those additional dwellings. My wife, Anne, and I actually visited a friend who, um, I don't know if she's still living on Maui, but she was living on Maui, and we were kind of enamored by Maui and just were like, oh, maybe we could put a tiny house here. So it's nice to hear that you can. Yeah. Is land really expensive? It is pretty expensive, but you could probably find lots for 200000 but it'd be really small. It might not have water on it, but that's also okay with tiny homes because I didn't mention that it has to be off grid. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you have to be off grid in Hawaii. I don't think there's a few tiny homes that have popped up and I have a friend that builds them and I don't know if they're all off grid or not. You know, the, the rules are a very gray area. So I don't think anyone really knows it or is checking in on people that are living tiny to see if they're compliant. That's good. So it sounds like they have other concerns and they're not really bothering tiny house people. Yes. So if anyone's on Maui and wants to do tiny houses, they should do it now before things change. It's that, it's that, uh, aloha spirit, I guess. (laughs) So one element of your story that really, uh, fascinated me and kind of piqued my interest was that, um, you decided to fabricate your own trailer. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, they are truly insane. So (laughs) tell me about that. Like, how did you get the idea? And what, like, how do you even learn how to do something like that? So this, again, was another one of my husband's ideas. Um, We were researching trailers. And when you're building in Hawaii, it's really hard to get anything here. Everything has to be shipped in. So you know, we looked at Craigslist to see if there's any used trailers, but they were all 10 grand and more for the size that we were looking for, which is between 26 to 28 feet. You know, when they, you know, they're rusted, had holes in them, like were used. So, you know, we started looking at the mainland about the same price. Plus you add on a thousand dollars for shipping. So after doing that, looking at our budget, you know, trying to basically build the house as cheap as possible. You know, my husband was like, why don't we just do it ourselves? My dad knows how to weld so he could teach me. So we kind of just went down that road and we got a quote from some steel people, one on Island and one off Island. And the quote came in around $7,500 compared to 10 to 14,000. So and this was our first big purchase for the house. So we're like, if we can do it cheaper, we're going to do it cheaper. So we just jumped in. We found a company online. The guy worked with us. 
figuring out exactly what we needed. We ended up going with a gooseneck trailer, which I don't see too many people do. The trailer that we, we got trailer pins online. So it's literally just like house plans. Shows you each step, how to do it, what's to code. And because we had the experience of my husband's father, we just jumped in again wow. <laughs> blindly, but it's, it's pretty amazing, I guess. Yeah. So the materials that you bought for the trailer, were they like pre-cut like for this trailer design or did you basically buy raw materials like C-channel and I-beam and all these, these various pieces of steel and then you had to like cut them to size and like build a trailer off of the plans? Yes, we had to cut everything to size. We had to carry all those pieces. It was it was super fun because it was the beginning. You know, we we finally got started. We finally got our first materials, but it was hard work. You know, originally we thought that we would just get um, a saw blade specifically for steel, but it was like one saw blade close to a hundred dollars that would only cut one piece of steel because of how dense, you know, and strong the material is. So then uh, my husband's dad was like, oh, you guys got to use a plasma cutter. So right off the bat, we literally used one saw blade and then went right to the plasma cutter. And this is stuff that we had, the company had, which made it way more affordable as well. So from there, we built a cut station that my husband and I just lifted all of these raw materials onto and just cut them to size. We had to use special chalk to do the lines. Um, so we just went by the plan, cut everything to size, and then put it in its own pile when it once it was cut. So we did, we did all the cuts and then started to assemble it. And is it assembled using like bolts or is it actually just like welded together? Everything is welded. Wow. Yeah. And then you, I didn't really realize it's like, you have to, so once it's all welded, which takes a really long time, um, then you have to, we put this stuff, I think it's called OSFO um, for any of the rust, because when you're welding, you have to grind, you have to grind down the metal. So there's all these sparks, it creates rust everywhere. So we had to just go and coat the whole trailer with this rust rid kind of stuff and then paint it right away. And we painted it with a, I think it was like an auto grade paint, which is different than anything I've ever used before. Um, so it's like all of those steps that I didn't think about, you know, you just see a trailer and you're like, oh, okay, it's black. It's this, has all its stickers, has the wheels, has the axles. You're like, okay, cool. But then when you go through each step, you're like, what the heck did I get myself into? <laughs> this is a big project on top of building a house, you know, we didn't even get to the house yet. We're still working on the trailer. So do you have an idea of how many hours the trailer took to build? I don't know. I know it took at least two and a half months because again, my husband and I both had full-time jobs. So we were working after work or on the weekends. And with the trailer, we really needed his dad to help us because we didn't have that experience. And in the beginning, my husband didn't know how to do the welding. So he would just be there with his dad, watching him, watching and watching and watching. And then his dad would teach him, but his dad would have to be there 
you know, because we wanted to make sure that it was done right. It's going to be strong because this is our foundation. And then also, um, we experienced a little bit of twisting of the metal, which I never thought about or knew about. But um, so we had to, at one point in the beginning, once we were getting the frame done, we had to use a machine to actually push the metal down so we could connect the last piece. Yeah, just lots of little obstacles, lots of new experiences. It was, it was really cool looking back on it, but I don't know if I would do it again. What did the, the trailer, not, not counting paying yourself for your time, which you, you can't do when you factor these things in, what, what did this trailer cost you to build and what would a comparable trailer have cost you to buy? Yeah, so the trailer was, I'll just, let's round up to 8000 So we had to buy a few things, but probably around $8,000 and this trailer would have been an easy 14000 That's great. Yeah, so it was a huge savings right off the bat. What are some other unique features of your house? Or actually, what, what are some of your favorite features of the house? One of my favorite features is how we wrapped the window seals. We used um, leftover wood that was sealed. So um, we got some products and materials from um, other jobs that were just extra. So we tried to incorporate that as much into the project as possible. So one of our um, homes had this really nice acacia baseboard that they used throughout their whole house. So they had some of that that was extra and we decided to use some of it for the majority of the windows in our home. So inside our house, it's really white because we wanted to keep it light and airy and bright. But when you put that wood, that like really nice stained wood within the window seals, it adds such a warmth into the house, which I feel like makes it instantly cozy. You know, and we didn't want it to be too cozy because it's already small, but it, I feel like it's like a really great balance which I really like a lot, but also our partition wall for our son's room. I really like that. It's just a really fun design, different. And since, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of it right now, but since podcasts are, are audio only, can you, can you describe it? Yeah. Um, so the width of our trailer is eight and a half feet and above the gooseneck, which is kind of like a step up, we built another room on top of there, which originally was an office. But once we had our baby, we decided to slowly convert it into a space for him. So we wanted to, you know, close it in because it was originally open and he could just jump off of there. So what we decided to do was close in half of it. But instead of doing a solid wall, we did this partition that has all these slats, that's natural wood. So it's open, but um, not open enough for him to jump through, slide through, and then we have it meet a gate that would close him in completely. It's hard to explain. I don't know. What would you say the shape is? I can't even think of it right now. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it almost looks like the rays of a, of the sun. It's like an abstract sun. That's what I see. Um, That's but, true, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of diagonal slats for half of it, and then the slats change directions and meet the center slat, and it, it's it's really beautiful. 
you mentioned that it was initially an office and now it's kind of turned into a room for your son. Yeah. When you designed and built the house, were you thinking like, hey, we're probably going to add a third person here at some point soon? Or was it like, oh, I guess we need to make our office into a bedroom now? Yeah, definitely the the O part. <laughs> um, I actually got pregnant within the first two months of moving into the house. So we instantly were just, you know, kind of thinking of what, what would it look like when we have a baby and, you know, where can we fit the baby stuff? So originally we just had, we had the desk in, desk in there in the office. And then we just added a dresser for him because he slept in our room for the first six months. Um, but then we realized that we didn't really use the office. My, um, my husband at the time was a graphic designer and I worked at the family company. So he would work up there and do, you know, some of his projects. But once he transitioned from doing graphic design full time back into the family company of construction, we weren't really up there. So it was really space that wasn't being used, which is crazy because we only had 360 square feet, but there still is space that's not used in our house. And that was one big chunk of the area. So it just made sense to do it. And it's not like our son hangs out up there. You know, he basically just sleeps up there and we have some of his stuff. Maybe when he's older, he'll hang out up there. But it just made the most sense. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad it worked out that way. I definitely I can think of more examples of people who get pregnant and then move out of their tiny house than I can of people who have young kids in their tiny house. And I think, I mean, I don't have kids myself, but it looks completely doable, but you just have to, you have to have planned for it or you have to be able to turn a space into that space. Yeah. um, I think it's really fun, especially in Hawaii. You know, we have really good weather all year long and my son wants to be outside anyways, you know? So it just makes so much sense to stay in this tiny house because we're able to save so much money. We don't have the financial pressure and he doesn't even care. You know, he doesn't know that we live in a tiny house, you know, for all he knows, it's just a normal place and he gets to play outside. So it's, it's working out perfect for us. But also if we didn't have that extra loft area, our, loft is actually 11 feet long. So we could have, you know, kind of created some kind of partition, put a dresser in there and then had his little bed area behind that. So that could have been another option. I feel like making the tiny house work was our only option. So So we're just going to pack pack everybody in there. (laughs) Do you own the land that you're parked on? We do not. We rent. And we got that connection from one of my husband's dad's friends. So originally before we started, we had no land yet. We thought maybe we would buy our own land, but it just didn't work out that way. And then once we were almost done with the property, that's when we were like, oh, dang, you know, where are we going to put it? Um, So then we just started talking to people we knew, asked around. There's tons of pasture land here. And that's really all you need, you know, because you have to be off grid. You could basically plop it anywhere. You just need to have the 
landowner's permission. That's great. And so do you envision, you know, as your son gets older, needing to add either onto the tiny house or add an additional structure to your homestead? Yeah, we always had the idea that the tiny house would be our like stepping up to what we really want, which is to own land and have, you know, build a bigger house, but not huge. Um, So I think I want to stay in here as long as possible. Originally, we thought five years, but we're already coming up on three, just going by way too fast. And I think not until Mavericks, you know, maybe seven or eight, I don't know, maybe even older, would he really need his own private space? So I just, I think I'm just going to, you know, continue to just play on the fact that this is like his playhouse, you know, the ultimate playhouse. He has a ladder going up to his room. Like we're just going to make it fun. And, you know, I want to just stay in it as long as possible and see where it goes from there. So I also wanted to ask you about your, your water catchment and holding tank. Yeah. I've never seen a tank that looked like yours. And then I was reading more about it and it sounds like you, you basically build it yourself. Yeah. So I don't think people usually get tanks that are as small as ours. Um, and they're not usually as low to the ground. So we went with that size tank because we went to go visit other friends that live uh, off grid and they had these huge tanks, which are obviously more expensive, but to even get into the tank, you'd have to have a ladder. And I just thought that was really inconvenient and could possibly be an eyesore when we have a tiny house already. So um, we talked to a local company here that assembles the water catchments. And I just asked him, you know, if we could just buy the material and then set it up ourselves. And he, he said, yes, he gave us all or any information we needed, you know, answered all our questions wasn't trying to be private about it. He was super nice and helpful. So because of our DIY nature, you know, we did it again. You know, we, we built it ourselves. We asked questions. The one thing that kind of sucked for us to build it ourselves in this case is that once we got it all set up, we noticed that there was a, a leak or some kind of hole in the lining of the tank. And you know, it's on us, right? But if you have a company assemble it, they have a year warranty usually, and they'll come back and fix it, you know, whatever needs to be done. But so that was, that was an obstacle that we faced, but we, you know, we figured it out. We had to empty out the whole tank. Uh, My husband went in there, like we talked to the guy, asked him how they do it. We had to go in with a flashlight we had to like put tape, like very DIY, (laughs) but now it works and it's amazing. But you know, when we first set up the tank, we didn't have the gutters on our roof. So we had to call water in, um, probably. Oh, so you had to like basically have it filled from a truck. Yes. Yeah. And that costs about $250 to have a truck come and bring potable water. So before we had our gutters up, we actually ran out of water twice, but it wasn't, wasn't that big of a deal because we knew we could get it. You know, it wasn't like, okay, grab all your containers. We're going to the park and like getting water from the hose. 
So it wasn't terrible. And I think it also was good for us to, you know, to know what our limits were, because when you go from not living off grid to off, like to living that way, we were freaked out, you know, like I took two minute showers. Like I didn't want to use any water. Like I didn't want to dirty dishes. I didn't want to turn the lights on at night because I didn't know what the limits were. It all felt like in a, in the moment it's going to be all gone, you know? So I think it's good that we had to run out of water, ran out of electricity before it's kind of just made the adventure more exciting. So the fun parts, I guess, of it. So you're also off grid solar. Yeah. I feel like Hawaii is probably a great place to be off grid because you get a lot of sun, right? Yeah. And even when it's cloudy, our batteries charge about the same amount, which totally just like wrecks my mind, you know, because <laughs> you think it's the opposite. But yeah, it's like we haven't had any problems. I think um, the problem that we've faced, I guess, is the affordability of storage, battery storage, um, and the technology. Yeah, that stuff's really expensive. Yeah. And it was really hard to figure out what the right thing to do was. We ended up going with a battery storage that needed a little more maintenance because the company said that it would last longer. So we did that route rather than going for, you know, like go-kart batteries, which a lot of people do and don't have any problems with, and they're really cheap to replace. So we haven't had too many problems with our battery storage, but yeah, it definitely isn't cheap. And do you heat your hot water with electricity? No, we have a propane tankless water heater. Okay. Yeah. Any other propane appliances in the house? Yeah, our range. So okay. yeah, I think that's the, the two things. In the photo, I almost thought it was one of those um, alcohol distilled. Uh, there are boat ranges. I think the company that makes them is called Origo, and they run on denatured alcohol. But I, I was mistaken. Yeah, it's not, but it is actually a boat range. Okay. So you got that part right. There's a, a dwell.com article on your house that breaks down the costs and it looks like, you know, $45,000 is an amazing accomplishment for a house like the one you have. And then when you take away the water catchment system at $4,800 and the solar at $5,900, that's like, that's amazing. It's about $34,000 for a really nice tiny house. Thank you. Yeah, it definitely helps to have the family company, you know, that has all the stuff, has the experience. And yeah, to do it ourselves, it is crazy how much money you save, especially in Hawaii. It's really expensive to build. So even if you'd get, you know, a material quote for, say, the windows, like, $1,500, the labor to install the windows will be three times that amount. So it was such a amazing savings to do it ourselves, And I think my husband especially has always wanted to build his own house. Same with me. So it, it kind of just worked out perfectly, but there were definitely some areas that I was like, what are we doing? Staining the beams that takes forever. We have drywall in our house and we decided to do smooth walls, which takes forever because you have to sand the mud 
sand it all day, all night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then you have all the dust particles in your eyes. Wow. Like sanding the, the loft, such an awkward body position to sand the ceiling of the loft. Little things like that of like, oh, I'm so glad these stages are over. Never again. <laughs> so do you need do you need heat or AC where you are? We didn't put any. We are up on the mountain, so it does get cold. But we have insulation within our whole house and even in the open beams. You know, it's a partial reveal of the beams so that we could still put insulation. So when it's really cold, we just close all the windows. When it's hot, we open them all. We have two small fans, you know, for those nights that are really hot, but it's not bad. There's other drier areas in Hawaii that I wouldn't put a tiny house without some kind of cooling. But other than that, it's been perfect. We haven't had too many cold or hot nights. Well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests um, is what are two or three resources that helped you out along the way that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. So there was, so I, we started building about four and a half years ago and there was only a few resources out there, but the resource that we used doesn't exist anymore. I tried finding them. Yeah. I couldn't find the blog. So these people specifically, we, I bought the toilet that we have because of them. Like there was, there are certain things that we bought specifically because of them, because we had no idea, you know? Who was, what was the blog? I don't remember the name. I think it was called Tiny House Building, Tiny House DIY. I can't remember. I looked it up again and I, you know, there's a million blogs now, but they weren't, you know, it wasn't the same house. It wasn't the same people. So it's like, man, what happened to that? So, but now, you know, there's so many awesome resources, but we also, you know, use my husband's dad as our ultimate resource for building anything. You know, he didn't, I don't think he had experience with composting toilets, you know, or like the solar off-grid setup. But other than that, you know, we literally picked his brain, forced him to come outside and help us, you know, so we learned a lot, a lot, a lot from him. But yeah, I, I wish those people's blogs were still around. Maybe they did a name change. I don't know. I'm going to think about it because, I, I mean, I started building mine in 2012 and also weren't a lot of resources out there at the time. So it's got to be, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to think about it. I know I need to, I got a new computer. So I had all of the, all of our resources, you know, in the bookmarks, but I didn't have that anymore. But yeah, I'm really bummed because I wanted to see, you know, if they're even still doing it. Are they living tiny? Well, Zena Fontanilla, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love sharing our lifestyle for anyone that wants to do it. You know, I think it's amazing for a season of your life, if not for your forever home. So I'm open to any questions people have, anything we didn't cover. I'm an open book. Thank you. Yeah, and I will link to your website and all your social profiles on the show notes page for this episode, which will be thetinyhouse.net slash 058. Nice. Thank you. Thank you so much to Zena Fontanilla for being a guest on the show. 
You can find the show notes, including links to resources that Zena mentioned and lots of photos of Zena's house at thetinyhouse.net slash 058. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 058. I also hope you'll join me and a great community of supportive tiny housers in Tiny House Engage. Registration closes tomorrow on May 11th. To learn more and join Tiny House Engage, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash T-H-E. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash T-H-E. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.